Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Duquette Johnston has a crazy story, and we don't really get into it during this upcoming episode of Wheels Off that you're about to hear. Um, his new album just dropped. It's fantastic. It's called The Social Animals. It's got an all-star band backing him up. It's a very cool rock and roll album. He was in a band called Verbena that started around the same time as the 97s. They were on Merge Records, and they did really well. They, they signed to Capitol in the late 90s, and he, from there, went into this he described it as a roller coaster. Um, he was in and out of jail, drug problems, quitting bands, breaking bands up. He went through a lot and in the last decade has found himself, I think it's safe to say, in, in a pretty good place, in, in a better place. His new album captures a lot of what he's gone through. It's really cool. I mean, he describes it as a very personal album and listening to it, you can imagine that this that this guy has been through a lot um he runs what sounds like a really cool uh, community center art gallery music venue clothing store uh down in birmingham alabama club duquette he's a cool guy man he's got a lot going on he's got a lot of thoughts he's he's been through a lot i i've probably just said that five different times but that's sort of that's sort of duke's bullet point and I'm really grateful that I got to get his perspective for uh, Wheels Off. I think you're going to love this conversation. I know I drop a big F-bomb. We probably curse a few times. What are you going to do? you got a couple of indie rockers on, on a Zoom call. Anyway, please welcome to Wheels Off, Duquette Johnston. So you go by Duke. Yeah, Duquette Johnston is my full name. Most of my yeah. friends call me Duke. Okay, du Duquette, not Duquette. Duquette, yes. Duquette. Okay, good, good. That's good to know. Um, yeah, this is cool. And I don't like, I want to ask you all sorts of stuff, but I, I don't want to like waste it. So I want to ask during the thing. So, um, look, you can see my dog. He's sleeping. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's see. I'll take a deep breath. Welcome to Wheels Off, Duquette Johnston. Thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing really good. Really, and, really cool. Uh, for the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us? I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. Nice. You've got a nice little setup there. It looks like some cool I'm, art behind you. Yeah, I'm in my, it's, it's a mess right now. I'm in my basement studio and everything's kind of broken down because i just had rehearsals this past weekend up in florence alabama so it was either 
do this at my sh- shop that my wife and I own and risk like a lot of interruptions or run home and do this down in my basement studio creative space. But yeah, my wife's a painter. So we collect a lot of crazy art and I have her art and I have like my son's art and friend's art. And this space is just all about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, congrats on the new record. I, I'm excited. It sounds like you're going to maybe do go out and do some shows and stuff behind it, but it sounds so great. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, so, okay. And, and the, you know, this is a, a podcast about creativity and the creative life. So let me know what creative project are you working on right now and how does it light you up? Well, I mean, right now I'm, I'm working on promoting the social animals, my new album that just came out. Um, th- I mean, that album lights me up for a lot of reasons and sidebar, I think I'm always kind of working on creative projects. Like my wife and I, for years have been really fortunate to intentionally live a very creative life the way we want to live. Um, and I can dive more into, in, into that, but, um, so I, I'm really lucky that I get to just always be working on some creative project, be it with music or like merch for our store, which is like graphic tees, bandanas, working on our first line of basics like clothing that we're going to produce um but yeah but my record the social animals this really got me lit up is the album that's out right now and i mean i worked on this album for a long time before i even recorded it it's the most patient i've been to let a project just breathe and be and exist without trying to force my ego or my will upon it so to speak you know um and so now that it's it's coming out, I'm excited that I get to share it and that I get to share the stories behind it and that I get to connect with people and how see how the songs connect to them and why they connect to them. Um, because, you know, in the past, I think I always, I learned during the last many years, especially the last several years during the pandemic, was to let my creation be and let it be to each person what they want it to be. You know, that it's not it's none of my business how people connect to the music. It's my job to create it, let it out there and then let the universe do its thing. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Man. Do, uh, do you have a hard time being patient? I used to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know I, I do. So it's just when you said that it it clicked with me that like the fact that this time around you're letting yourself be patient. Sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I think. I had a fear that years ago that I needed to be constantly releasing music as much as I humanly could, because I was lucky enough to live through so many crazy things in my life that I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get to do this again. So I want to put out as much music as I can, but through my life, I had no control over a lot of the delays on this record. Some were intentional, very intentional when it came to artwork and finding the right like label partner or home and people to be uh, like on the team of the album. Um, but I, I, I struggled a lot with patience, but having a son, like my son just turned eight will teach you patience, like nothing else. Um, and cause I have a full grown daughter, but when she was born, I, it was, I was still in Verbena and we were on the road all the time. Like, you know, I got home, a couple hours before she was born was home for two weeks and then gone again and you know it was like i I didn't have to do a lot of those things that i've gotten to do with my son um 
and I'm really grateful that I got to be around for it because I miss so much. But that taught me patience. And then my wife and I spent a lot of our time working on, especially over the last several years, on trying to change like our neural pathways. We we talk about it and joke that we sound like we're in a cult when we're talking about it, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, just trying to rewire our thought process and how we think and the life we want to live and the intentionality behind it. And that has taught me a lot of great patience because there's a lot of work that is being done in stillness. You know, you cannot force the universe. You have to let the universe do its thing. You have to, that timing's going to be there and you can't force that upon the universe. It'll laugh at you. Um, so I've learned a lot of patience through that. And I, and maybe just with my age, I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like I'm 18, but I just turned 49. So, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. My, my son and I both just reread, uh, he's 18, um, the book, the power of now the Eckhart Tolle book. Yeah. So great. It's sort of what you're making me think of in terms of retraining ourselves to be in the moment and not just constantly, you know, bouncing between the future and the past. It's a difficult thing to do. I mean, as humans, you know, and then with technology, we it's easy to just constantly distract so you don't face things. So that, you know, distraction is easy. It's easy on, sometimes it's easy in your heart. Sometimes I think it causes more problems, but um, especially with doom scrolling the news and, and everything else. But yeah, there's so much great that happens in stillness and being just right where you are and enjoying that moment. And you know, you can be creating and thinking of projects in the future, things you want to do, but not lose sight of exactly where you are. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think for a long time, I, I lost sight of that and was just constantly trying to hustle because we were like creatives and we, we had money, then we're broke and then my wife got sick and then, oh my God, we're going to lose our home. I got to constantly hustle, you know, like it's, it's this wild roller coaster, but it's my roller coaster and I'm grateful for it. So, yeah, it's, it, you know, musicians struggle with staying present, I think. It's funny. I know that the my producers who put these together and release these podcasts, they always go through and pull out quotes. And and I hope they um, I hope they pull that one out because I, I love it. The succinctness of it. It's my roller coaster and I'm grateful for it. That's yeah. so that's so <laughs> great. dude. <laughs> So, I, so okay, now you, you've got an eight-year-old son, and um, oh, I, normally I wouldn't ask about specific songs, but this, I really loved the the new record, Social Animals, is so great sounding and so great. The songs are really great, but there's a song, Holy Child. I wondered if that yep. was some, inspired by your son. I, absolutely. I wrote it for my son, for my daughter. Yeah. Um, a lot of this record, the majority of it was written based around, it, it was, I started writing a lot of the songs right before my son was born um, because I had put out a record called rabbit runs of destiny in 2013. My wife had a really rough pregnancy, was really sick, a lot of complications. And so I just stopped music. I just stepped back. I kind of disappeared. I was just working odd jobs and making sure she was well. And then when our son was born, she caught a bacterial infection in her gut and mm -hmm. couldn't work. I had done a, song placement uh, for a TV commercial that I thought would be a nice fat nest egg. And it turned out to be our lifeline oh. while I took care of her. So during that time period when I, I was just writing every day, like making sure she was good. We had a newborn baby, 
you know, it's it this wild, delirious time. And I, I wrote that song just staring at my kid while she was holding him one night and oh. on the sofa. And I mean, the, yeah, the line, um, you've got your mother's eyes, your mother's sweet smile and her feistiness too. It's just, it's, it's him. You know, I, I, I write very personal songs. I think I always have, I can't help it. I, tr I've, I've never been one of those people that can just pick a subject and write about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's cause I haven't tried. I don't know, but, um, it, for me, every, it's all really personal and I try and make it. So I, I don't, it's not that I'm trying. I just, I feel like if I write from my life, then people will connect with it on, on their level about their life, you know? Yeah. That's the great um, sort of intellectual contradiction, right? The, the idea that you want to create art that's um, universal, but the way to do that is to create, to create something that's intensely personal to you because then by, by virtue of its honesty, it will become universal. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know, sometimes I try not to even think Yeah. like I think, and I think that's a great gift that I don't do that because I know some people that just toll over and over and over. And I'm like, man, like it's beautiful. Let it be. Mm -hmm. And I, I think some of the songwriters that have influenced me throughout my life come from that mindset of like, write it, record it, release it, let it be what it does and move on. Keep writing, keep creating. Like, that's what I'm here for. I don't, it's not always that easy, but I just do the best I can. And, and Holy Child is, is, is deeply personal. Um, I, you know, I, I wonder, I just wanted a better world for my son. I want there to be a better world for my daughter, for everybody's kids. And, and um, for a while I changed the title of the album to Holy Child. That was the first slowdown. It was like <laughs> kept changing the album title. And then every time I changed the album title, I changed the artwork. So, oh. <laughs> you know, um, so when you've got these kids, you know, one, one who's like a young adult and one who's a little kid and, and you sort of have to see the world through their eyes. Um, I wonder about if you wouldn't mind describing the moment that you realized if there was a moment or when you realized that you were going to be an artist, a musician, like, was there an epiphany moment? Was there like, when you were a kid, did you all of a sudden know? Was it before you were even conscious of it? And you just, from the moment you were, you know, aware. I think, and I've, I've said, I've said this before and I don't have full conscious memory of it. There's, there's this weird chunk of time in my childhood where I have zero memory and I have no idea what happened. And I used to say for years, if I don't remember it, I don't need to know. I've changed that over the last two years because I wanted to, to, to find out and, 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 and deal with like personal things. But at the age of three, there's a picture of me holding a guitar and trying to sing. And I, I, I started playing music very young. Like when I was a little kid living in Wyoming, my mother would drive me an hour to take violin lessons because we lived on a ranch in the middle of nowhere up against the Bighorn Mountains outside of Buffalo, Wyoming. So she would drive me an hour to take violin and then an hour back like once or twice a week. And so music was just always part of my life. But every time I've seen that picture, like it brings back a memory of, I just wanted to play songs. I just wanted to make music. I, at first I would like, when I was younger, I would run sound for my friends' bands because I was afraid to write music. I was afraid to grab a guitar, but my brother played the guitar. I had an uncle who the song motorcycles on the album is about. Yeah. Um, 
he was in a motorcycle wreck and bound to a wheelchair and spent most of his days just listening to music, playing chess. And he was a devout Catholic and he would do his rosary three times a day. But the rest of his day was music, man. Like he would sit there and make his own mixtapes, everything from the Beatles, Johnny Cash, Elvis, classical. He just loved music and obsessed over the sonic quality of it. And I grew up with with that, you know, and having an older brother that played guitar. I looked up to him. I wanted to learn to play guitar. I just it's music has always been in my life. Was there ever a question as to the sort of uh, realisticness of uh, the the job of making music? Where did you ever think like, oh, I should probably get a real job? Never. <laughs> I dropped out of college after nine weeks yep. uh, in 1991. Like I got nine weeks into school and was like, I, I'm wasting my time. Like we need to be recording. And we started our first band and I never looked back. You know, like it was me and my bandmate. Uh, he goes by A.A. Bondi now. But I mean, you know, we were just little punk kids and we're like, no, this is what we're going to do. I didn't I didn't want a plan B. I worked jobs. I was a chef, like a really good cook and became a chef until I signed my first major label deal. And, um, you know, I was a, I've been a carpenter and you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, but I always I. I I didn't want there to be a plan B um, because I think that gives you an easy out when things get hard. And there's been times where music has fully supported my life. And there's been times where it's fully drained my bank account. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I've never stopped. I told someone, I was like, you know, I'm going to keep making records no matter what. If I have a studio go to go to and a band, great. If not, I have a cassette four track and I will plug into that and I will make lo-fi acoustic records. But I have to make music because it's part of who I am. And if I don't, I'm not being my most authentic self and I'm going to be miserable and I won't be a good husband, a good father, a good friend. Like it's just for me, it doesn't work any other way. I have to make music. That's great. And yeah, that's the, my favorite art is made by people that, that end up saying that, that they have to do this thing. So I know um, from the familiarity I have with your story, you know, like you, you, you've been through a lot and um, just in your life, right? Like that's an understatement perhaps. Um, sure. <laughs> but I wonder about when you encounter obstacles that aren't, you know, like a broken penal system or just the, the, how fucking hard it is to make music or make money as a musician, but the more internally generated obstacles, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times on the show, it'll come up, you know, self-doubt or success guilt or imposter syndrome, just all these things that we do to ourselves inside yeah. of our brains that are obstacles, um, you know, to, to keep us, prevent us from making our art or whatever. I wonder when you come up against those, what have you figured out uh, as a trick to get through them, to get around them? Well, for years, I had an unknowing underlying fear of succeeding on the level I had at a younger age, right? Because subconsciously, when all that success happened, everything fell apart. I left a band that I'd been in my whole life. I got divorced. I wound up in jail. I, you know what I mean? There was all these things that that added to some like childhood probably programming that I didn't realize was there until the last couple of years. Um, you know, I was always like, I had a great life. I don't have anything 
to freak out about. My parents were sweet. I wasn't abused, you know, none of that. But it's amazing what gets buried in your subconscious. And so before the past few years, I would unknowingly like self-sabotage out of stuff. I would procrastinate. I would not deliver. I would not follow up. But over the last, you know, time period, a little pre-pandemic and all during the last couple of years, my wife and I, and I, I, I don't mind giving this um, company a plug. It's called To Be Magnetic. It's a woman, Lacey Phillips. And it, it, it deals with addressing all those issues, your self-doubt, your lack mentality, your what's your what's your shadow aspects that you need to embrace and not run from. So digging into all these like DIs, which they call deep imaginings, which are like self-hypnosis and going in and addressing those things has given me tools now to where I can try to recognize my patterns and then I try to do a meditation. I try to breathe through it. Um, and I'm fortunate I have a partner in my wife that does the same work. So she'll hold me to the fire and be like, Duke, you know, you're, you're starting to do this thing you used to do. And that's old patterning. So when those doubts come up, I try to remind myself that it, that is not the reality. I am, that's old patterning trying to show me the way that was easy to hide and resist and not face and not try to step out into a, into a project fully. Um, so the, my tools are to meditate, breathe, check in with my partner um, and re and reprogram those patterns. So they don't keep happening over and over again. I'm, I'm real hippie on all that, man. <laughs> like, no, that's but the, great. But the science, I, I, I think the science, that is coming out because even myself at first was like this is too woo woo i'm a hippie but this sounds really like <laughs> upper middle class white privileged bs like i don't want to do any part of it and then as i started like listening to scientists on podcasts about it and people that are actually doing studies and then once i started doing the work it was like holy crap man like the fear of success thing was really real real for me and i started addressing that like early 2019 like going to see this um this reiki master and this healer and saying like, i want to bring this stuff up but it wasn't moving as quick as i want showing up and then when i went to a net therapist which is a neuro emotional technique man this woman i i love like i don't want to slowly unravel things i like cutting the onion open getting to the core and like let's address it let's face it let's bring it out and deal with it and once i saw her she helped me really break through some shadow stuff, address it. And look, it will always be going on. Those things can always try to come up, but giving yourself tools with how to deal with it, um, not being afraid to address it and to change and not being afraid to talk about it openly and share it with others. So maybe it helps them. I mean, I just, I don't give a damn what anybody thinks. So I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do that. But that, those are the things that's a very long winded answer, but um that's what i want yeah that's great yeah those those things that's what's helped me like especially over the last few years because literally man it's you know nine years since my last release and then an album comes out and i get a day of silence i freak i mean literally just this week i'm like oh my god what are we doing what's happening what's going on with the record and it's like dude it's been out not even seven days breathe yeah enjoy this moment enjoy that it takes time for people to get turned on to a record 
and enjoy the fact that you get to, I get to sit down and have conversations with fellow musicians and songwriters like you, like that's being in that present moment. That's like reining yourself in, but the meditations have been a massive help, man. Boy, it's incredible how often meditation comes up. And, and I, I end up sometimes thinking about um, during these conversations with creative people and artists, how much what we do, like the act of our creation is itself some form of a meditation, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Because think about it, especially if you're just like in your space and you grab a guitar and it's you, you, you're just writing and flowing. It gets into this like sequence of where you are, tr you have to get out of your way. You can't think you have to just tap into that thing. And even if you're sitting down and intentionally writing, sometimes you've got to get outside the way of your thoughts and let it just happen. And meditation is a great tool for that. And I think the other cool thing about meditation is that it can apply to so many different modalities, right? Like I know Christians that meditate on scripture. I know Buddhists that meditate on mantras. I know, you know, my wife is Jewish, so she meditates on different things from her childhood and things she learned in Hebrew school. Like, so it, it, it meditation just kind of crosses the board, you know, and there's no set rules for what a meditation can be. It can be really short. It can be 30 minutes. It can be walking on in the freaking woods, man. Like, you know, and tapping into that, you know, parasympathetic mindset to where you are just sort of zoned out. So how, how long has it been since you've been out on tour? Since, since I've actually toured since the last record. I mean, the last full show, like round of shows I did was in 2019. Um, and then I just played, I've only done one show this year. Yeah. I'm just now getting back to playing, man. I've got like <laughs> stuff at South by coming up and then yeah. some other things, but yeah, I haven't, I've just been held, hold up at home. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny, I guess even more so than most musicians who have had the last two years off, you know, you've had a chunk of time and during that time, it seems like you've evolved a great deal. I just wonder how it's going to be for you getting back out on stage and back out on tour. What do you think? Man, I'm so excited and ready. And I know my wife is because she keeps telling <laughs> my manager and the label, like, please put him on the road. Our relationship was built with him being gone. Yeah. So she, she wants me to be gone. Um, man, I, I think maybe I approach it from a different place now. Um, I started approaching it from a different place on the last record with even the intentionality of how I set up on stage um, and making sure like, I always love setting up in an arc. I have this thing where if I can, and it, I don't know how it'll happen at like at South by when you're scrambling to get on stage and play, but I like the band to be connecting with each other. I don't want to just set up. I know music is entertainment, but for me, I need it to be more than that. And so to connect with my band, I like to set up where we're almost more facing each other because as long as I love that my said, I raised my hand. That's funny. Um, <laughs> as long as, you are connecting as a band, right? And you're making the best music you can live, then the audience will connect with you. If all you're doing is trying to be a monkey and dance for people and do a dog and pony show, then and it's different. There's no, like, there's no judgment on anyone that does it that way. Like it's different for every artist, every genre. I'm really trying to learn and focus on being a little more neutral 
and not judge myself and not judge others on, on, on how they perform and what they do. For me, like I have to connect to the musicians that are playing with me. Like that's just the most important thing there is. It goes back to the authenticity you were talking about earlier. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's what it is. Like you talk about, like when we were talking about like writing, right? If you're like digging in really pure and honest of what you're going through, what you've experienced, what you live, people, there's so many things in our lives that are all completely universal. We all want to take care of our families. We all want to feed our families. We all want to have a home. We want to have happiness and love and connection. That's, that's goes across countries. It goes across religious beliefs. It goes across everything. So like the most authentic you can be is the, what the world needs, you know, whatever that authenticity is. And for some people, it's absolutely just being a damn entertainer and getting wild and exploring. For me, I just, I long for that connection, especially after the past couple of years and not being in a room making music with people. I long for that connection of making music with other, with other people on stage. Well, I got to say, too, I really appreciate the sort of uh, the definition that you're ascribing to authenticity, because that word for me has long been this loaded, problematic thing. Like I'm a seventh generation Texan. I'm in a, this kind of alt country band or whatever. And people are like, but you're not like a cowboy. And you think you can get up there and sing these kind of country songs. I've been accused of inauthenticity. And I know a lot of people, you know, who kind of like me are like, Oh, you're not what you pretend to be. That whole idea of you being what someone thinks you should be, right? Like to be mm -hmm. authentic, you have to really be. I mean, you've got a bio that that lends sort of authenticity where you, you know, if you wanted to, you could point to certain things that you've been through in your life that give you authenticity. But it's, it really bothers me when people accuse you of being inauthentic just because you don't, because you're not uh i don't know you didn't grow up in a shed in a shack by the rio grande or whatever they think that you're supposed yeah, that, to be that doesn't i don't think any of those things have any bearing on how authentic someone is i think yeah. like people just look for a way to label something to put it in a box to put it in a category a lot of it i think comes from fear right uh, uh, of stuff but authenticity is something that is deeply inside right and Everyone has their own authentic nature. And God, my son is teaching me so much about that. Like, <laughs> this is so like silly, but I'm like, oh, dude, like, you know, do you want me to order you like these pants? I think these are cool. And he's like, Man, I don't like those pants. And I'm like, no, but they're freaking cool pants. I Man, you don't want to wear some freaking painter pants like your dad. He's like, no, I want some shorts, dude. And learning that like, <laughs> I have to let him be who he is. And that's like, what that comes from is so deep inside that it doesn't matter where you're brought up, your authentic nature may be something completely different. You know, you don't have to, it just, I, I think there's too much judgment across the board on all that, you know? Agreed. Um, so I, I feel like this, this has um, been so much useful stuff in the last, however long we've been talking. I really appreciate it. I wonder if you um, would be willing to try and sort of condense uh, the wisdom that you're sharing by imagining if you were to run into like a 21-year-old version of yourself in today's world, what advice might, might you give yourself? 
I would tell myself, A, stay away from hard drugs. <laughs> B, um, B, believe in yourself, man, and, and, and enjoy the moments. Like, don't, don't doubt what you're doing and just enjoy the ride and enjoy the journey. Um, I think that's the, the most can just love people, believe in yourself, and, and, and be true to who you are. That, that that's the condensed i could get much deeper on on why i think that you know um but 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 that's that's the big thing i always joke about the hard drugs thing but uh i, I mean you know there's a few things i could have avoided if i if i had stayed away from those hard from i only luckily did one hard drug but it did get me into a lot of trouble <laughs> do do you think you'll ever end up writing a memoir Man, I started to write a, a book, a memoir, when I was locked up in Etowah County Detention Center. And I had this title. It was a joke. It was My Life as an Unknown Rock Star. <laughs> and, and I the first thing I wrote was about how cigarettes were my gateway drug. It wasn't weed or anything else, but it was nicotine and sugar uh, that was my gateway drugs of childhood. And then I never finished it because I started writing an album. I, I, I would like to write something i don't i think that i try to have so much gratitude and make sure that when i talk about all my life experiences that it doesn't come off of like oh poor me i'm a victim i want it to be like oh i've just rolled with it and gone on this journey and i hope that my experiences connect to you and can relate to you on some level and maybe it helps you maybe it's just entertaining you know I don't know. Like I've had a few people ask. Uh, who knows? Maybe. Well, I feel like the the social animals does a lot of the work that you're just describing, right? Like it's this really right. be beautiful personal account of what you know a lot of what you've gone through, and it's so great. Congratulations on that record, and thank you so much for spending time with me today. Yeah, man. Thank you. This is so cool, Duke. All right, take care. I hope our paths cross out there on the road. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Where, where are you based? And the thing is, I we've crossed paths in the, in 90s. the past. Yeah. I, yeah. In the 90s, it was either through it was either when I was in Verbena or is with my band Cut Grass mm -hmm. or something. Then I played with the Blake. Band. I, I know we've just like we may I may have even done a show with old 97s, but I was probably a mess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we played with Verbena back in the in the day. And I think that you were still in the band yes no that's what i'm saying like i think when reed was telling me i was like hell yeah i want to do this man I, <laughs> I, yeah I, it's funny because uh, i really i feel like we're very much on parallel tracks our stories are are pretty similar and well like i said i hope our paths cross in real life soon i'm in the i'm in the hudson valley and uh, cool. just north of manhattan but um man congrats on the new record and have so much fun Thanks, getting out there and i hope you survive south by and uh <laughs> i'm mostly just going to eat food man i'm i'm i as of right now i only have one show and i'm cool with that oh that's perfect like, I, I really just want to see my friends and eat good food and you know wander around away from crowds nice well thank you so much Duke, right, for bet. joining us here today yeah, brother. yeah i'll talk to you soon all right thank you so much for listening to wheels off Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, 
As the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.